Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left is Ed Maher with the International Union of Operating Engineers. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ken. How's it going? It's going great. Guess what I have on? What do you have on? My Unite Here shirt. You'll do anything for a free T-shirt, won't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Unite Here shirt, operating engineer's jacket. Do you buy Do you buy any clothes? Or do you not anymore, not since this job. It's like everywhere I go, they're like, hey, take one of our shirts. Take I, love, I love a free T-shirt. Oh, my God. You know what? I, I will t- shout out to Unite Here. Their shirts are fantastic. Yeah. I've got some union shirts that are really itchy and, you know, uncomfortable. This one's great. It's a nice one. I'll have to check out the brand on that one. It is. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but Unite Here, uh, did, obviously, they were on uh, last week. And uh, Karen Kent. Yep. Uh, just a fantastic, fantastic guest. Uh, yeah. Just a great labor leader. And it's, it's really great to see that. You don't see a lot of women, you know, unfortunately, like in the, in the building trades, right? We always talk about, like, hey, you should get more women in the building trades. But, it's, you know, name a single, you know, woman union leader in Chicagoland that is, you know, in the building trades. There's, there's not one, right? Uh, leading the unions, I don't believe so. Yeah, I and, I, and coming from a building trade, I can I can tell you that the the effort to bring women into the apprenticeship programs yeah. um, is enormous, and Good. it's it's breaking new ground because those are jobs that thirty forty years ago yeah. uh, just were were sort of off limits for women. It's not the case anymore, but uh, we're trying to just get the word out that uh, and I think, there's a place for everyone. And, and it makes sense. And I also think that you know getting women onto the staff of unions, right? For sure, w- women business agents, and look, look look what Karen has achieved. And you know, I think I think it's important, and you know, it, it should not be such a you know stodgy old male dominated industry anymore and i think it is changing it is absolutely changing yeah, it's, it's not it's not the way that a lot of people think that it is I think that's, that's for right. sure but there's yeah. certainly more movement that uh, that we're trying to make um so let's start with uh the biggest big news things. this week yep go ahead and that is uh friday morning the united auto workers walked out it's the first time that they've ever uh gone on a simultaneous strike against all three of the big three automakers so and explain, explain that what does that mean so they're on strike right now against all three. Uh, it's not, you know, the UAW on strike against Ford, uh, but, you know, GM's working. It's all three of them. They're on strike against General Motors, Ford, and then Stellantis, which is the company that owns uh, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, that yeah. whole that yeah. whole conglomerate. So all the American Union auto manufacturers, uh, they're currently on strike since Friday. Now they're doing something different, though. Yeah, they they haven't shut down every facility. Uh, so, like for example, on day one, they shut down a facility in uh, Michigan, one in Ohio, uh, and I forget Missouri. where else. But yeah, just kind of spotted around the Midwest. Yeah. But um, they say that it's uh, it's a new strategy and that it's going to um, you know that it, they're. I think frankly that they're trying to trying to lessen like the financial blow on some of the workers and some of the communities and things like that, while also maximizing the impact on uh, the companies. Yeah. Cause they're really trying to get their message across this Sean Fain, the head of the UAW this guy's fantastic. He has said um, oh my gosh. a couple of times, like we've gone through negotiations, what yeah. we're talking about, these are serious, um, you know, serious things that we need. It's not being taken seriously. So sometimes uh, a strike is just going to have to happen to, to get the message across. And I, I heard somebody ask him and said, hey, you know, hey, Sean, you know, your your strike is going to disrupt the economy. And, and, you know, he came back and said, no, it's not. It's going to disrupt the billionaires. Well, let me tell you this. And this, this is something that uh, um, on WGN, I talked a little bit about this with Lisa Dent earlier in the week. Uh-huh. And um, she had some listeners who texted in afterward and said, oh, unions are driving inflation and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Let me tell you this. The the cost of an American-made car has gone up around 30% in the last four years. Right. The the pay the wages of the CEOs have gone up around 40% in the last four years. Now, supply chain stuff, steel got expensive. 
price of cars went up. Steel prices went down. Prices of cars did not go up. There's been massive inflation already without workers getting anything. So the idea that workers are responsible, inflation's been running rampant. Workers haven't gotten anything out of this. And by the way, like you said, the price of steel went down. It's called greedflation, corporateflation. I don't care what you call it. The prices are, in my humble opinion, artificially inflated. So corporations can make more money. So these corporate CEOs can make more money. Eight people, Ed, own the wealth of 3.9 billion people. Eight people yeah. own the wealth of 3.9 billion people. That is just sick. Well, the average UAW auto worker, um, you know, at any point in their career, is making yeah. $28 an hour. So the idea that these folks are greedy or that they're yeah, they're know, making all oh, they're making 100 dollars an hour to you know put a bolt in every 10 minutes. Like no, they're not. They're making no. 28 bucks an hour. Right, and they're out and, there. And, and look at what Karen said last week. Her uh, hotel workers now are starting in 25. Right, right, right. So come on, like let's and and you know these are American I, manufacturing jobs. If you're if you're put, if you're trying to fight against these workers and push their wages down, you're fighting against American jobs. American manufacturing is supposed to be coming back. So yeah. let's let's help it. Yeah, shame on shame on you. There shame, it is. Shame on you, big three. There's your right? weekly shame on yeah, you. Yeah, go settle settle this thing. Yeah, we've got a big guest coming in today that we're very excited to have, and that's, that's Stu Clark from Premise Health, the CEO of Premise Health, who's just breaking new ground, and, and they're just killing it. And we'll talk about uh, their exciting. Yeah, with the MCL and the unions and whatnot. So um, we will be right back uh, with more of the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher here with Ken Edwards, and we have a very special guest today. And that is Stu Clark, the CEO of Premise Health. Welcome to the show, Stu. Welcome, Stu. That's super cool that you were uh, took the time to come up here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Glad to be here. Yeah, we're psyched to have you. You were here, not here, but you were on the on the um, on the phone with us when we very first started the show about a year ago, and you haven't been back since. So a lot has happened in a year, Stu. Indeed, indeed, it has. <laughs> and Ken. we have and we have some big news. So I would just start with our big news. All right, what do we got going on this weekend? Well, this coming weekend, we have a grand opening of the first MCL Wellness Center up in Northbrook. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! It's the first of five. First of five, uh, that's unbelievable. So, explain what is uh, what's the health center? Who's in it? You know, let's big picture for a second. Right now, the operators and the carpenters. Okay, uh, we are hopeful that we'll get some more yep. uh, unions to join. Yep. Uh, but uh, obviously, a lot of demand for for access to healthcare. Um, that's awesome. And so I know, obviously, uh, in the background, we've been working on this, Stu, since pre-COVID times, right? I mean, literally, for years, it has taken to get this and get it right. You know, we could have rushed and opened up garbage, to be blunt with you, but we didn't. And we sat and we nailed it and just got it right. And really, uh, Premise has been a fantastic partner um, to work with, so we appreciate that, Stu. Um, when is the grand opening? That's the 23rd, Saturday the 23rd. So this coming Saturday in Northbrook, right? What's the, do you have the address, Ed? Uh, yeah, it's up at 4179 Dundee Road in Northbrook. Um, and what time does it start? Uh, it's about 9 o'clock, and it goes till about 11, 11.30. They'll be doing tours. And this is, again, for, uh, for members and families of the Operating Engineers Local 150 or the Mid-American Carpenters Region, Regional Council. Or if you're a union member and just want to see what one of these clinics look like, feel free to stop by. Yeah, take pictures, send yeah. them to your union president. Absolutely. So... Let's um, so let's talk. This is a, this is the first one that we're opening together, and, and and the reason this is a big deal for those of you listening is this: a lot of unions, Stu, have opened their own health centers now around the country, right? It is increasingly popular. Yes, 
um, and some have shared, you know, we're, I'm not saying that we invented this model, but on such a large scale with such large unions and talk about numbers and like literally R5 will touch hundreds of thousands of lives. And then if more jump on, you know, you get into the millions. Um, these, these health centers enable us, and correct me if I'm wrong, to bring care to where our members live, Right. That's correct. Uh, and Ken, part of the process uh, that takes so long is determining where is the best place to place these. Yeah. We have to take these centers to where these working families live. So let, let's, let's, uh, so we have Northbrook, right? And, and that makes perfect sense. You, you, we do these kind of heat maps and see where our members live and we try and get a radius and, and that kind of stuff. But talk about uh, one of our health centers that's going to open up in Utica, Illinois. Yeah. Right? Utica. How much is it? Ninety miles away from Chicago, right? Right, right down out by uh, out by Starved Rock. That's exactly yeah. right. Talk about that one. You have to go where the customer is, yep. and there's density up there. We know that there is a uh, lack of access to healthcare. Why do you say that? Well, I think we've got uh, some systems, health systems pulling out of there, a hospital or yep. two closing. That's right. One of the community hospitals closed. So uh, we have a lot of members. Uh, Local 150 does out in Utica, and we have a hall there where the health center will be located. And folks who live out there are having to drive a very long way if they want to go to a hospital or an ER. Um, you know, it's just, it's a, like a, a healthcare desert at the moment. So this is this is something that's very and exciting the car- for them. Carpenters are joining that one as well with us, correct? Yeah, that, that that's right. And, and again, that the, all the reasons you all just mentioned is why uh, we're insistent on a physician-led model. When we have a physician-led team, yes, a doctor leading that team, that gives, uh, gives us the ability to deliver a much broader and deeper scope of care to those members and their families. Let's let's talk about that. You say physician-led model. All right. So as compared to what? Well, there are models that are led by a nurse practitioner. There are some models that are led by a registered nurse. Uh, These are uh, providers, certainly, but their scope is limited compared to what a physician can do. And so we know that the needs of those communities uh, and those union families, uh, we think that a physician-led practice is serving them best. That makes sense to me. So some unions opt to go with a, uh, I would hate, you know, I I don't mean to denigrate anything, but like a minute clinic, right, that has a nurse practitioner or a registered nurse, but no doctor. That's correct. Uh, our scope uh, is very, uh, very focused on making sure we can we can deliver a comprehensive set of services. Uh, there is demand and there is need by these families, and and as you all mentioned, healthcare desert. I like that term. Yep. Um, you have to solve that with a comprehensive approach, and I don't know how to do that without doing it with without a physician led team. And it's not only a physician, right? But you're talking about uh, health centers that have a physical therapist. Um, behavioral health, right? right? I mean, that's a big one for right. us. Counselors, now. counselors, chiropractic people, care, chiropractic care. I, I, I was down at the one uh, that premise opened um, with uh, IBW Local One Thirty Four, and I mean, you want to talk about impressive? At, at they have a uh, an eyeglass store in the in the clinic, really, an actual eyeglass, not not only just an optometrist, but an eyeglass store, so you can yeah. go in there and get glasses. I mean, that's just amazing, right? And I think premise. I'm going to put words in your mouth, Stu. Okay. Because I'm going to act as the CEO of Premise for a quick second. We Look go big. We go big or go home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that's it. Right. Premise well, is going big. It, it, you all mentioned a really important topic here, and that is mental health. Yeah. And we have a mental health crisis in this country. Or do you we know, ever? Every family has an issue going on which affects their ability to work, and.
and and premise takes a solid position uh, if you're going to deliver primary care you have to incorporate mental health into that and the mind and the body have to be treated uh you know holistically holistically yep agreed and we actually had one of the providers on from premise uh it was probably a couple months ago mm-hmm. that, that talked about it but as i go around the midwest Stu, and and talk to other unions and, and uh, about joining the mcl one of the common themes i hear is hey can you guys help with uh, members assistance programs eaps right. mental health and you know i'll give you an example one of the unions um, in ohio wanted to start their own uh, and I think it's brilliant, right? So we, we started, I, I, I was fascinated, kind of got it off the ground, and I know I'm moving to the side for a second, but they realized how important mental health was, uh, drug addiction issues, right, uh, depression, anxiety, and that was causing problems for the members in the workplace, mm-hmm. then causing them not to work, their families are hurting. So exactly what you just described, Stu, I think the premise model, and, and what happens is you can go to the doctor, right, and the doctor says, hey, you know, I think you might, benefit from walking down the hall right and go see you know dr so-and-so right yeah. Stu? yeah absolutely a coordinated handoff and and you know we expect our physicians and clinical teams to advocate for that member so it, it's not just drug addiction and anxiety and depression those are real and and those are real issues yeah. uh with our families in this country uh, but we also know that for diabetics obesity hypertension mm-hmm. if you have a diagnosed mental health condition, mm-hmm. uh, you're less likely to get better, and your claims are likely to be much more expensive. Interesting. So whether you look at the human or the cost, you have to address this mental health issue as part of the primary care model. So the way that you approach everything that you do isn't uh, a matter of let's get you in, let's run a bunch of tests, we'll collect whatever you know the patient would pay for that, like a traditional hospital, but it's more trying to get the patient healthy, keep yeah. them healthy. Um, you know, because it's a it's a good investment and it's money well spent by the by the unions or by all of your other clients. Exactly. I mean, the system is set up uh, to, to bill based on volume. Right. There is almost no accountability for cost or clinical outcome. When you in say the, the US. system, you mean the current healthcare system it, in the I'm, United States? I'm talking about Healthcare Inc. in this country. Right. And so, premise was founded with the thesis that if you have a direct relationship, in this case, with the union. Mm-hmm and you're not paid on volume, then you spend as much time with that member or that member's family member as you need. And for example, when you call to book an appointment, you're going to get a 30-minute slot right out of the gate. Try to do that in the community with a hospital-owned doc. Right. Any listeners out there, have you ever gone to the doctor and it seems like they're in a hurry to get out of there? I think everyone can relate to that. Especially when they're talking to you. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not just doctors, Ken. That's, that's pretty everybody. much everybody. Waiters, everyone. <laughs> I always thought it was my breath. That's you what my what? wife tells me. <laughs> that's her too, right? Yeah. Um, so go go back to this. You called it, I think, once, Ed or, or Stu, doorknob medicine. Right. Right? Their hands on the doorknob. And I, was it you that came up with that, Stu? Yeah, yeah. I wish I had invented it. It's been around for a couple of years. But yeah, it makes, it, it makes sense, so right? So you go to the doctor, right? And the first thing that happens is they come in. Uh, and The doctor doesn't come in. A, uh, I don't even know if it's a nurse or somebody comes in and they take your blood pressure and check your weight and then maybe a, a nurse practitioner comes in and says, okay, what are you here for today, et cetera, et cetera, and goes over your meds and is all your information still accurate and a bunch of, like I hate to say it, but kind of, I, I don't know, my humble opinion, relatively waste of time because I'm really here for this and you know you want to take my blood pressure and you talk about like whether my address is correct and my current, you know, whatever. And then the doc comes in and he sees you for five seconds. Oh, I understand that you have this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you. I got to go. Uh, but you, know, you should take this and gives you a prescript and, you know, out the door you go. 
And mm-hmm. at premise and and our health centers, and I've had experience there. Ed, you've had experience there. Yep. Tons of our members listening have had experience. You walk in, and they'll sit with you as long as you need, yeah. right? And, and that's exactly what you described. To there's no, you, you're making what you're making at, at premise, right? It's not fee for service. We, we make the same whether we see one member or a hundred in right. a day because right. we are ultimately measured by the union on did we make their membership and families healthier yep. and are we helping them uh, take the efficiency out of the spend. Right. And so, like, what's been your experience? Is, is it working? Well, uh, we've been in business 30 years now. We've got lots of data. In fact, we've got uh, some news out where Milliman, a third-party actuarial firm, confirmed and validated the way that we measure clinical and financial outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so we're the only one in the industry that actually has longitudinal data verified by a third-party actuary. It works, absolutely. We had some numbers at Local 150 that showed the um, the compliance of our members who had been to uh, one of our premise clinics versus those who had not within the past 12 months and how compliant they were with early screenings. Yeah. Um, in particular, the the example they used was prostate cancer. And people who had been to a premise facility had um, had been screened for early prostate cancer far more than those who hadn't. And then they showed the outcomes for if you catch prostate cancer early uh, versus late stage. And it it really shows that that doing this whole model of you know, participating in the screenings, looking for things that you aren't having symptoms of yet, yeah. keeps people healthy and, frankly, keeps people alive. Yep, that's exactly right. Ed. Uh, once a month, I look at a giant dashboard produced by our clinical team that shows across six or seven different conditions what is the percentage compliance by our uh, providers with their member population. And so it's color-coded. If we drop below 80, it turns yellow. Right. Uh, as we, you know, get above it, uh, obviously, it's it's green. But uh, there are guardrails and incentives and penalties in place. If we do not practice what's called evidence-based medicine, mm. every single time the dashboard lights up and we intervene with that team to say, hey, why aren't we doing diabetes screen? Why aren't we doing prostate screen? And how, do you, how does your model compare to, let's say, the, just the American healthcare in general? Like, are, you, are we seeing better results in these health centers and your premise uh, you know, on-site clinics and near-site clinics and things like that. A- absolutely. Ken, what I'd say, th- this is what I often tell folks, <clears throat> if there was a 75% chance your milk was going to be pasteurized by the grocery store around the corner, you would go to another grocery store. Yet in this country, we are perfectly satisfied if our family doctor, if our specialist is only 75% compliant with what are known as evidence-based guidelines. That's acceptable to us. In fact, most of the American population doesn't even know how their quality is measured. Yeah, right. Because there's no accountability in the healthcare system. Yeah, we're in the dark. Listen, we got we got to take a quick break. Um, will you stick around for the next segment? You I bet. Have some, I have some more questions that I want to ask you and, and talk to you about. Sounds great. Listen, uh, we are talking to Stu Clark. He is the CEO of Premise Health, uh, one of our fantastic sponsors. Um, we will be right back. Uh, with more of the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken. Sitting next to me, as always, is Ed. Um, and we're, we're, we're super psyched that Stu decided to stay around. So Stu Clark, uh, the CEO the head of Premise Health. And by the way, how big is Premise Health? Like how many employees you got and where are you from and all that kind of stuff? We have 6,000 team members. Wow. We're headquartered in uh, Nashville, like you, Tennessee. I, I like how you call them team members. Oh, right. Very Starbucks of you. We, well, we, we are. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. uh, Partners. 
We are absolutely uh, actually a though, team you're, first you're, culture. But you're, but you're, I, I've dealt with a ton of your your team, and I really, really honestly will say they're a pleasure to deal with. Absolutely. Like they're, they're legitimately really, really good people. The person uh, Tammy who runs Point on on what we've been uh, accomplishing here in the Midwest with the MCL she'll answer your phone calls she'll take your text she'll talk to you at night on the weekends you know you guys are set up and i meant to kind of say this in in the uh, earlier section you're set up almost like a union right you're not based on fees like when i worked for 150 it didn't matter whether i had 100 guys or a thousand guys right my salary was the same it was just a matter of how much time and effort i was going to put into it and how much hours i put into it et cetera et cetera but i would talk to every single guy as if he was my father my brother you know and i consider them brothers and you guys treat us the same way ken i'll tell you many of us have been in this business working together literally for 20 years yeah so there are folks on the leadership team that have been together a quarter century most of the leadership in the company started in the clinics years ago so we are a family we want you for life when you join premise we have a very strong ethos and it works for most people doesn't work for some but, you know, we're, we're the company that was there 20 years ago. We're going to be here 20 years from now. One thing that uh, I think people don't know and we should talk about is Premise is owned by who? Who owns Premise? Uh, we are owned by OMERS. That is the Ontario Municipal Employee Retirement System. So uh, retired union pensioners Got own it. this company. Wow. So, so literally union members have a stake in your company they are the controlling owner i love it that's awesome um so that's a that's a cool fact and um what are you seeing in, in this world right so th- so by the way i, I have to say this because i don't think it's it's apparent if you're a union member and let's say you're in the mcl uh and you're a carpenter or, or uh, an, uh, an operator at the moment or, or the electricians or any of these uh places that have their own health centers which a lot of unions are starting to build or have built already when you go to the health center, how much does it cost? Oh, it's free. Free? It's free the first and every time. <laughs> right. Uh, Did for, you say free? For the unions. Now we have some customers that do charge, but, but uh, well, that's most, their, That sounds like a them problem. Mo- right? Most of our union customers have, have made it free to their membership and families. I mean, yes. that's just fantastic. For some yeah. of the services, for all the services? All of them. Everything. everything. That's everything. amazing. Yes. Yeah, you walk and it's free. So, and, and it's in your backyard. Yeah, so unions are seeing, uh, we're taking these heat maps, as you said, right. Ken, and trying to find where in our geographical areas we have members who are furthest away from medical care and trying to cut that time down. So not only is it a matter of trying to put medical facilities closer to your home and more convenient to your home, but provide you options where you can walk in, get medical care, uh, mental health care, physical therapy, all of these things, and walk out and you never get a bill. There's no copay. And this is a great deal for union members. It, it is, but but there's a, a just as important other part to this, Ed, and that is our clinical team is going to help that member or that member's family member find the right place to go to in the community if they need a diagnostic, mm-hmm. if they need uh, a higher level of care, or need to go to a hospital. This system is set up for people to get lost in it because when they get lost in it, uh, the entities can bill more. 
Right. That doesn't help the patient, the member, or the family. So our team is going to help them find exactly where they need to go. And they're going to be involved, because I went through this myself, they're going to be involved every step of the way. Did you see this doctor? Okay, I saw that you saw this doctor. I looked right. at your medical records. Here's some next steps. I get a phone call from our health center, Ed. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Ken, you haven't been here in uh, you know a while. Time to come back in. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Who's, who's, okay. <laughs> who's called? Like, you know, what other places are calling you to go? Like, hey, it's 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 time. Or, you know, it, basically, that's up to everybody, and everybody blows it off. You you mentioned that, um, or Ed, you mentioned that like we're bringing these things uh, to to places that maybe underserved or getting them closer to our members. Um, to where they live. Number one, that's good for the, obviously for the members and their families, right? Uh, number two, it's good for the union coffers, correct? Yeah. Right? Stu, explain. Look, higher quality care means that people get better. And higher quality care means that you're not running multiple tests after multiple tests after multiple tests. So if, if you have a clinical team providing the right care and they are helping that member find the right place in the community to get higher level care, two things happen. They get better faster, yep. and the union saves money. Right. It's not any more complicated than that. It's kind of a win-win situation. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, talk about cost-benefit analysis or a value-add, right? Here's yet another thing that the unions do. You know, I've talked to other union leaders, um, and literally I've said, you know, hey, you know, uh, we have a doctor's office or two. <laughs> like, what? You guys right. have your own doctor's office? I'm like, we do. And, you know, even some of it, just like, you know, people in my neighborhood are like, wait, your union has its own doctor's office. Like, yes. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how else to say it, right? And and, and people are just shocked. And once again, Ed, we're our, our own best kept secret. Right. <laughs> right. So we're trying, hey, everybody, join the trades and join a union and you too can have, a, you know, your own doctor. But Stu, let's, let's talk about economies of scale for a second, because I think the premise model and, and the reason that. Uh, the MCL chose your company was you understood the the, the need for um, to leverage uh, a union's economies of scale, meaning where we couldn't put one by ourselves, right? Like, so I came from 150, right, where Ed, Ed works. Um, we couldn't afford to put one in Grays Lake, for example, of Illinois by ourselves, which for those of you listening all over the world, Grays Lake is a, a suburb of Illinois, of uh, Chicago, uh, Chicago land. But, you know, it's not particularly dense, right? But if you overlay us, the carpenters, other unions, well, now you put you, you, you put all those together, we can afford it, right? Yeah, sure. And and this model is really springing up. We're we're in we're looking at three other MSAs uh, cities. What is that MSA? Uh, uh, sorry, a metropolitan service area. So three other large cities where we're looking at doing exactly the same thing, whether it's with unions or mm-hmm. whether it's with mid-sized or large employers that are also looking uh, at sharing. You know, so let's let's pivot for a second. We talk about unions, but you know, Ed and I have talked about you know these organizing drives like Starbucks or Amazon or whatever, and sort of saying like, hey, let's. Uh, Let's disrupt healthcare, right? In your negotiations, ask for a doctor's office, right? You can afford it, Amazon. You can afford it, Starbucks. You can afford it, uh, you know, Stellantis. And if they really thought about it, it's, it goes beyond affording it. It would save them money. Of course, it would save them money, and it would be altruistic, and they would help people, and they would maintain their staff and have less turnover, right? I mean, here's what I'm hearing from corporate executives. Yeah, that. Healthcare is so expensive and the rate of increase is so untenable, it is now an earnings per share issue. 
Wow. Well, that gets the attention of the yeah, CEO right. and the CFO. That's so what it's it no longer, oh, I'd like to have a health center because it's nice for my employees. Yeah. It's the CEO thumping HR saying, we can't afford this and we're going to miss our earnings because of our health care costs. So part of what's driving the demand right now for premise, and you know, we are we've got a great backlog and, and tons of traction, more yep. than I've ever seen in 30 years, is exactly that. We can whether we are a union fund yep. or whether you're a large employer, the cost of health care is out of control right now and it is increasing anywhere from seven to twelve percent a year. Right. Hey, Something's hey, gotta give. Hey Ed. Yeah. I have an idea. Let's hear it. Ken and Ed's health center. I'm down. <laughs> how, how much money you got? We're gonna need a lot of disclaimers and a very, very uh, healthy insurance I have this policy. Really good idea. <laughs> WGN's <Yeah>. health center, <laughs> brought to you by Ken and Ed. Yeah, but I mean, to your point, um, the way and a lot of folks might not know this, but the way that a lot of union healthcare funds are organized is um, members have an hourly contribution that's paid in on their behalf, and it all goes into you know a fund of money. And our plans are self-funded. So if there's a claim for something that has to be paid to a hospital or paid to a doctor, it comes from that fund of money. And so it's in the union's interest uh, to to ensure that, you know, if there's a lot of claims going out for really like late stage, uh, you know, cancer treatment and things like that, if you can do a little bit of wellness care on the front end and, and cut down those numbers, it's, it makes perfect financial sense to do it. And so that's why this model, I think, appeals so much to a self-insured plan like ours. But a, a corporation, if you have fewer, you know, extremely expensive cases, um, you know, health incidents, then your coverage costs are going to go down. You can go to your insurer and say, charge us less because our people are not using as much. It doesn't seem like rocket science. No. Right? If, you're if I can understand it, this can't be that hard. <laughs> I, I'll just put it this way. Healthcare in this country is we spend $4 trillion a year or one-fifth of the entire domestic output, Whoa. and we have yeah. uh, one of the most unhealthy populations in the world. So something is very, very wrong with how we're set up. And the bottom line is it's it's not just preventative care saves money. And, yes, that's important for the union. That's important for the members. But here's a thought. You can live healthier, longer, right. enjoy your family, and enjoy life more. Wait so. a second. It's not Can you imagine? all about dollars and cents. Well, at the end of the day, for the corporate users, uh, it might help your uh, your stock price. So, And it could do that, too. <laughs> That's, yeah. they, they don't care about the rest of it. It's just stock price good. Well, I t- I'll tell you, you know, and I told the story you know, a few weeks ago, but you know, Premise Health literally saved my life because they caught something you know, in, in, in my heart that I didn't know, and Premise Health re- just refused to sign off on something and sent me to a, a cardiologist, and it literally saved my life. They saved my life. This one woman, uh, nurse practitioner there, saved my life, and that was... Was literally as a result of me going in for something completely different. So I, like, I owe my life to Premise Health. We don't hold that against you either, Stu. <laughs> I mean, it, it can you know it makes my hair stand up. But I have to tell you, I hear these stories yeah. every single week. You yeah. know, we we serve millions of of people out there across eight hundred centers and. We, we like to say we are on the right side of health care. I think you are. We're not paid by health plans. Yeah. We're not paid by the government. Right. We are paid by the unions, yep. and we are paid by the employers, and the population either gets better yep. or they don't. And if they don't get better, we get fired. Sure. It, to me, it's not complicated. Pretty right. simple, right? If you don't do your job, you're out the door. Exactly. And, and you guys are growing. And I'm watching other uh, yes. uh, other of your competitors get consolidated, eaten up, fold. Just it seems like – Bounce around from different owners all yeah, the time. Yeah, it sounds like they're not doing – 
you what know, premise I, is doing. Like somehow you guys have have figured it out. Figured out that sweet spot. Here's what I'd say. Go ahead. Um, you know, I don't wish ill upon anybody, but here's what I've been telling folks: Look, we were here when you got here, yep. and we will be here when you leave. I love it. And so we were here 20 years ago. We're yep. going to be here, and and this is our life's work. We're not journeymen. Our team has done nothing but this for decades. We don't jump from company to company. Right. We have an owner that has given us a mandate, built a great brand, disrupt U.S. healthcare. Call us if you need us. Love it. So the table is set for Premise to have a significant role in disrupting U.S. healthcare, and we are really honored to be in that spot. You, you should be. You guys are really doing. I mean, doesn't he sound like a union organizer? Yeah. Like I, when I organize, I would say, "Hey, listen, the union's been around a hundred years. We're going to be around another hundred right. years. You know, we're here before you got here. We're going to be at, here after you got here, and we're here to take care of you. Right? We're not going anywhere. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's very personal. Yes, it, it is personal. Right? Healthcare is personal. It's not like you know. I hate to say it, but you know, financial planning is great. And it's personal, but healthcare is really personal, right? right? And, you know, I'm just going to go back to something I heard the other day, uh, and I don't want to end with this. I was in uh, Ohio, and they have this thing called Too Tough to Talk, and it's aimed at the building trades for people that need, you know, mental health, but yeah. they're, they're too tough. Yeah. And so, you know, I think by premise um, saying, hey, we're going to have a, 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 a behavior health specialist down the hall, when he's there... He just walk down the hall and then walk out the exit. Nobody knows where he went, right. right? And so those things really hit home. And I've heard, like you said, you know, I've heard fantastic stories about members using our health centers um, th- throughout my entire jurisdiction of the MCL, which is large now and getting larger. Um, and we, we hope to see more of uh, the premise model, if you will, uh, follow us around. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a real honor to work for the unions. And uh, we are just, this is uh, some of the most exciting work we're doing. Yeah, we're well, super psyched. Hey, listen, uh, we got to go. Thank you so much for coming in, Stu. It was really cool to see you in person. And we'll see you next Saturday up at Northbrook you at the grand bet opening. I'll be there, and I'd be happy to be back, be back in the studio at some point, too. Love to have Thanks you. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Stu. All right. All right, listen, we got to take a quick break, and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, you're listening to, you've been listening to Stu Clark, the CEO of Premise Health, right here on 720 WGN, the Workers' Mic. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting with me is Ed. Pretty cool show today, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was, I, I've seen it. It was I, nice to see Stu in the studio. Yeah, I, I love talking about stuff like this and breaking new ground and what the unions are doing and trying to get the word out of what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Stop being our own best-kept secret, like you said. Um, I want a quick shout-out to um, the listener... This time, the listener family of the week, and uh, it is Trina, Jeff, Everett, and Oliver um, from Detroit, and they actually called me this morning, or texted me, I think it was, um, or I forget how they contacted me, but they said, hey, are you going to talk about the UAW strike? And I'm like, of course we are, you know. So it, it was pretty cool, you know. That like, well, hey, we, you know, we buy American, we, we support the strike, you know. We're here in, in the Midwest, we listen to your show. So shout out to those guys. Thanks for listening. Um, 
And of course, obviously, we talked about it at the top of the show. What are we going to finish up with, Ed? Well, we've talked about people who support strikes, and now we're going to talk about people who don't support strikes. How can you not support a strike? Um, you can cross a picket line. Oh. You can do struck work. Oof. So, for example, I'll just use this as an example. And yeah. this is not a hypothetical. Yeah. This is a real thing that happened. That okay. is uh, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. The little kid from E.T. And are you joking me? Further, later known for Studio 54 antics, I think. But she has a, a talk show, and... She had honored the strike for a while. She said they're coming back. Right. Said we're not going to talk about struck work. We're going to not going to talk about struck movies. And the writers um, are just saying, well, well, no, it's a it's a show that uses writers. So this this you'll be doing struck work. You'll be crossing a picket line. Um, so they started the show and uh, Drew pe- Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Oh. And, and so people I used showed to like up. her. I know. And people showed up with uh, pins that talked about support the writers. Yeah. And when they showed up for the first show that was being recorded again, you said they showed up. Were you like these were people members? in the audience oh, who just okay. wore pins, yeah. and they got thrown out of the show before it started for, for wearing for wearing a union pin. Wait, that's exactly wow, right. wow, wow, Drew Barrymore, wait, wait a union bust. Well, I mean, you know, I said shame on the big three, and I'm shame on you. We're Drew. getting a, a double shame on this week. Yeah, this is a big deal. Are you, you kidding me? Like, why would she do that? She's got more money than God. Maybe not. I mean, who knows? I mean, so what she's no, saying? No, I is, think she does. She comes from a really, really famous, wealthy family. Her grandfather was like. So and so Barrymore, and so and so Barrymore. That's his name. Yeah, this is his first name. So and so. Yeah, but she, she don't need. The, let's researched. put it this way: she don't need the money. You know why? She was married to Tom Green. Yeah, Tom Green's just swimming in that skateboard money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did. I did used to like Tom. Green. Oh my god, I, I love she, that guy. We, I think America could, could use him again. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, yeah, she, so, so she started up a show with with who? Who's writing it? I mean, I don't know. I think she's bringing back some writers, or How? maybe she's got non WGA writers. You, I don't she's know. Not bringing back any writers. You can't cross a picket line if you're a writer. So they have to be scabs. Well, and the industry is is very upset because she was supposed to host um, an event for like the National Book Award. I think that's right. And she got bounced. Good, that because good. you know i think this is one of those things where what you do in these moments yeah. and the solidarity you show will be remembered it will uh, define you yeah so right? I, unfortunately i think this will probably isn't define bill maher, isn't bill maher doing something bill maher is bringing back his show and he says he's uh he's not going to be violating the strike because he's not going to use any writers so i mean first off the wga has responded by saying that that's impossible right. to do his show with no writers yeah. but i would say if you're going to have bill maher just bouncing off the top of his head ideas like what's going on with bill today with yeah. no, you know no prep for the show i don't want to watch that show well first of all i don't want to watch bill Mar mar whatever his name is any any anyway because he seems to have made a, a bit of a crazy right turn like dennis miller the guy used to be like oh yeah. mr progressive whatever and like same like made a crazy right i don't know like i i think they they have kind of bought into their own well i don't know even what you call it their own nonsense but you know if you're going to go on first of all just don't go on the air right stand in, in solidarity you made it for six months this is i mean wait bill do you need the money he must I, you know seriously though it's easy to say and it's pronounced maher bill get it right <laughs> oh that's a good point that's you right spell it the same i'm way. the one who honors picket lines in yeah yeah you're the maher that honors picket lines that's right well shame on you drew barrymore <laughs> you know I, you know i tell you what drew yeah it's uh, Bill, I, I was gonna, I was gonna use profanity, but I can't because we're live on the air. So shame on you, Drew Barrymore. I, I urge every one of our listeners to get on her social media and call her a scab, which is, by the way, what I did. And I got the, I think I got the most likes I've ever had on any kind of my <laughs> social media ever when I called her an elite entitled scab. Well, the people love negativity, and you got to give the people what they want. Absolutely. So you know what? Shame on you, Drew. Shame on you, Bill. 
That's all the time Maher. we have. Oh, we yeah, only really? get three shame on you because we're out of time. All right. All right. Fine. Fair enough. So thanks for sticking with us, everybody. We'll be back next week right here on 720 WGN. See you next week. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.